Can we just praise him this morning? Just worship him from the bottom of our hearts. Just lift your hands to him and just tell him that you love him. Amen. That you just are so thankful for his grace to your life. And maybe you haven't even realized what grace has been, but he's been watching over you all your life. And brings you to this moment. Ready to lead you on even further than what you've went. Lord, we love you today, and we thank you for your blessings to us. Thank you, Lord, for grace. Thank you for that we can praise your great name, for you are high and lifted up. Lord, we lift up that name today. Oh, God, we want to we tell you what you mean to us. Even though our words are inadequate, and we really can't find enough words in human language to be able to say how great you are. But songs have been sung and psalms have been written and Lord, the scriptures have been spoken and men's hearts have extolled your great name through the years and ages. And Lord, we just want to add to it today to say, as the prophet said when he saw you coming, oh, he's wonderful. He's the counselor. He is the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace and of his government. There will be no end. Lord, we're thankful to belong to a kingdom today. When we see the world around us crumbling, that we know that we are part of a kingdom that will never be moved. I pray you'll bless your people today, those that are streaming, listening in, Lord, from wherever across the world. Father, I, I just pray that you'll minister to them in a special way. There are shut-ins, Lord, all his family. The Steinkeys, the different ones, Lord, that are streaming today and listening in. They'd love to be in the service of the Lord, but God, I, I pray that you'll minister to them today in a special way. Just be God to them. That's all, Lord. For you said, I'll be your God, and you will be my people. That's what we want, Lord. We want to, not just to claim you as our own, but you, we want you to claim us as yours. Lord, so we just love you today. And we want to express our love to you and thankfulness for your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Good to see each one of you that is gathered with us. And I want to just say thank you from the depths of my heart for all of you that came out yesterday and helped us on the work day. We got so much done and you made me so proud. I tell you, I, you, you just uh, showed out. You showed up and you showed out. Amen. So we appreciate that so much. Now, you know, I know better than start going naming names, but you know who you were. And, and, um, and those of you that I know the, the hearts of many of you, if you wasn't here, your heart was here. So we so appreciate you so much. And I uh, want to tell you we love you from the bottoms of our hearts. Um, I'm going to be leaving for Johnson City, Tennessee this week. I would that you keep me in prayer. 
We have the church dedication on Friday night and then Brother Ron Spencer on Saturday night. And then um, Brother David Seiler speaking on Sunday morning. Is there anybody here that's going to those meetings, going to be a part of that? Raise your hands. Real high where I can see you. All right. Well, good. I'll catch a glimpse of you maybe while I'm there. Amen. It'd be nice to have some home folks. I think there'd be people gathering from all over there to uh, worship the Lord together and and thank God for his blessings for the church there in Johnson City, Tennessee. Brother Donnie Reagan, he's a bosom friend of mine, and what a blessing that he is. Keep his daughter Erica in prayer. She's in a very desperate situation, needs a touch from God. But all things are possible to them that believe, and that's what we do is we believe. Amen. And so it's good to be in the house of the Lord. I want to sing that song, It's the Highway to Heaven. None shall walk up there but the pure at heart. Amen. Don't you want to worship the Lord with me as we sing this? Amen. Put it on the screen, this in black back there. Amen. Well, it's the highway to heaven. about it as we were singing there and looking back to see Brother John Pruitt and his wife, Sister Becca, was going out just on a little simple errand, 
rolled her vehicle about three times. The children wasn't with her, and she wasn't hurt, just a few little scratches. It's just the grace of God. Amen. It's him. A lot of times we don't realize how much he's with us. We don't want to go another step without him. I was thinking about it, you know, just looking at the screens there and seeing there the, the steps of Jacob's ladder look like going up in the heavens, the angels. And I, th- I thought of Jacob's ladder and how that the, he had that vision or dream of the angels of God ascending and descending upon that ladder. Well, you see, there was no one on the earth that it could attach to. So, you know, the, it could still slip and slide around. But God came himself. And he came at the very bottom of the ladder and it was anchored into Christ. And he said, now, you think Jacob's ladder is something. Wait until you see the angels come ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And he made a path for us back to glory where the blessings of God could come down through the way that he made. Amen. The blessings of God, angels can come down right here in this meeting this morning. Your prayers can ascend into heaven. When heaven was blacked away from us and and all closed because of sin, he came down there through there and then made a way back for us. Said, I'm going to make a way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Aren't you glad to know him? Well, it's the highway to If you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to look in the scripture this morning in verse 21. Amen. Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 21. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today and be in his presence, knowing he made a promise, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And so he'll be with us even in us to the end of the world. So thankful for that. Ephesians 5, 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies, He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourishes and cherisheth, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. 
For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. God bless you. You can be seated. This morning, I want to speak to you on without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. As, uh, as we Gentiles close out the New Testament and we finish the church ages, and this age of Laodicea is an age that is so corrupt and so evil until the Bible said they will do the same that Israel did 2,000 years ago, and that is become a political church who crucified the Lord of glory. And the Gentile age come, goes into complete darkness. And as Israel crucified Christ, so does the church reject him and crucify his word. And, and so, you know, it was a, a sad day 2,000 years ago when, when so much blindness and in that cloak of blindness and darkness upon the people, they crucified their very Messiah. And we find that the same thing repeats with the Gentiles. We close out the same as the Jews did in our last church age. And because the last age is the heaping up of all the sins of the past, then we see Sodom return. And the Bible said as it was in the days of Lot, just before the burning, the angels of God and all that is holy is now scorned and and they, don't, and they actually want to drag that which is holy and righteous and pure. Even the angels of God want to drag them out in the streets to be abused. And with the, the lowliest of dirty deeds and, and they're, they're activists knocking down all doors and going to the limits to destroy, um, to destroy holiness and godliness. And... Um, and, and those righteous men like Lot cannot reason with them nor persuade them against evil. There's, they become beasts in their natures and beasts without mercy. They don't mind perverting the minds of children with the filth of porn. And, and we're talking about in our schools today and convincing them that they're born in the, the wrong body and thus will... Uh, mutilate young girls and cut their breasts off and give harmful drugs to our youth and then alter the, the physical form of boys to make them girls and all of these things that are happening in this last evil age. And of this age, the Bible speaks of, about this time and its wretchedness and says of her, you are miserable, poor, unable to understand so you're mentally blind, you're naked, and you don't know it. And without even a mind, not even a mental capacity, you know, coming to the stage, the point of insanity, where that you don't even have the mental or spiritual capacity to, to understand what is going on. The age has become so full of evil, and insanity has come on the rise. And, uh, and of this age, the prophet says, um, of her said, no words, speaking of Revelation 3.14 and those uh, 
those, those uh, verses that refer to the false vine said no words ever spelled out of more bitter denunciation and no proud and arrogant religious people ever deserved it more. But however, in that time, in the seventh age, Paul said God will be a husband to a chosen bride and that bride will be without spot, without wrinkle or without a blemish. You name it. He says, so any such thing, you name it, whatever the blemish, the spot, the, the wrinkle, whatever, you name it, she'll be without it, a perfect bride, totally perfect in my image, in my likeness. This is what he promised he, that he would do, and he would do it by the restoration of a pure word that will wash her and cleanse her. You know, you can't do this with the filthy, dirty water, but the pure word comes to wash her. Amen. And again, this is why restoration was so needed. Restoration of the word, but, but the word in its purity was so needed so to wash the people so completely until they are without spot or without wrinkle, without one bit of defilement, without a flaw, without a blemish, completely faultless. Hallelujah. In this evil age, here's what God's going to have. A pure, faultless bride without spot or wrinkle. Amen. And, and of course, the word of that Jesus spoke of the true vine, he, he prophesied that she would be different from the false vine who would be lukewarm, cold, and formal, and powerless. But she would receive the gold of deity, the gold of God, so that she is rich. Amen. And she will receive the eye salve to cleanse her eyes from the blindness of that is here in this evil age and the insanity that is upon the world. And she is to be clothed in white linen, amen, with white raiment, dazzling white, without a spot, a pure, spotless bride, so clean, so wholesome, so beautiful, so, so perfect that, that he looks up on her and said, you know, I, I'm, going to do, I'm going to produce this by word that I'm going to send to wash the people in this last day so that she will be this kind of a spotless people. Amen. Without, without a spot, without a blemish, without a wrinkle. Totally perfect. Hallelujah. This is amazing that in the most contaminated evil age that, that, uh, that a people will wear the apparel of heaven as the angel would appear at the sepulcher of, at Jesus' tomb uh, and was described as a young man sitting on the right side clothed with a white garment. They're going to be clothed just as, in white even as he is clothed in white, and, and it shows him in Revelation 19 as the word, you know, coming forth, uh, the word of God. His name is called the word of God, and, and he's got white raiment. As Peter and John and James would see him on Mount Transfiguration, and his clothes was bright as the light, and, and white as the light. That's how those saints are going to be clothed. 
their garments shining, exceeding white before him. Yet, you see, as he, as he finishes the last age, this is what he says in verse 21 of chapter 3 of Revelation, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Even as I overcame, as I also overcame and am sat down with my father in his throne. So here is how perfect the true church is as she started in the first age and she winds up in the Laodicean age and, and comes here to this last day and, and, and he says of her, as he, as, he, as he speaks of the bitter words of the false vine, he talks about the true vine in this last age. We find the true vine, the, t- the true spirit, true church people exalted to the very throne of God with the highest compliment ever paid to a humble, steadfast, spiritual group. Hallelujah. Can you imagine that? Of all the ages... Oh, I I don't want to stick my chest out here because it really isn't us. It's his grace that has provided this. Amen. It's his word that produces this. But look what he said. He said the highest compliment ever paid to a humble, steadfast, spiritual group. I like hearing what the word says about me. I may look at myself and can't quite see that yet. But I know if the word spoke it about me, it's going to be that way. Amen. Revelation 3 and 5 said that he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. So you see, it's a people, a wife that is obedient to him, a wife that he loves. That he loves and he washes clean by his word so that in love he admonishes and trains and builds her up into his image. Now, a couple of weeks ago when I ministered, I, I, was, I used this quote and I want to bring it to your forefront and you're thinking again, it's from what shall I do with Jesus called Christ. And he, and he talks about, he said, you see us, your faith is never your feeling. Because again, we're talking about being without spot or wrinkle or blemish. Maybe that ain't the way you feel this morning. Amen? Amen. But this is what he said you're going to be. So it's your faith. It's never your feelings. It's never whether it's so if my hand isn't straight, it doesn't have one thing to do with it. It's my faith that does that. Right before us, we see the image of a perfect healed a person by faith and then we just make step by step till you step right into that person and you just walk on in it walk on with it there you are what that's what does it your faith not your feelings your faith does it so you see this is exactly what the opening of the book did for us when its seals were removed it it gives us a vision into the book to see what the church is to be like And it removes the veil of blindness from our eyes so we can see exactly who God is and what his promised word is for this hour. And then looking into the word, into the open book, we with the veils removed can reflect the glory of the Lord. You know, maybe in the the age past or times past, you reflected the, the glory 
no matter how dismal it was, it was the best they had of the Baptist or the Methodist or the Presbyterian or whatever. You Maybe you was the best that they could, they could be, but you're going to reflect the glory of the Lord and be transformed in his image from glory to glory, reflecting the glory that comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You see, to be this, to be this kind of a people without spot or wrinkle or blemish, the debt that was against us has been canceled. The debt has been cleared without a mark against us. Not a spot, not a wrinkle, not a blemish. Now, for the Old Testament, you know, they, they in their old covenant they had, they, of course, were under the blood of bulls and goats. And it could never make them spotless and without sin. Come on now. Because it could never take away sin. It would only roll it ahead as it was and cover it until out of the sight of God until one day Christ would come to deal with the sins of mankind. And the, the dead even could not go into the presence of God. But they waited in paradise and this had been happening ever since Adam left Eden and entered, um, and entered into, uh, and left to enter. But when Jesus came, he there, he entered into heaven for us, making a way. I want you to understand. And when he did, he made and cleared the debt of the Old Testament saints so that they too could go with him and be raptured with him. And to go into there, they would have to be without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing. And it's because Jesus paid sin debt. Hallelujah. No more would they have to wade in a holding place called the bosom of Abraham. A people who could not go into the presence of God. But but a place some would call paradise. a, A waiting place until the Messiah came. But you see, that day on Calvary, he paid the sin debts of all the past to Adam. And all who had died under the blood of bulls and goats were resurrected with him and entered to glory with him. He emptied paradise. Not one was left. Hallelujah. Now, now, they, their debt was cleared. I want you to get this thought. Because at the end of the old covenant, he cleared the debt. Now, again, we have come where he did do the same for the New Testament people. He cleared the debt because on the day of Pentecost, God sent back the abstract title, the Holy Ghost, and, and every sin against them was cleared. And they went out shouting, saying, this is that which the prophet Joel spoke of. Through the pouring out of God's spirit upon us, you know, and into us, it has made us sons and daughters of God. And we prophesy, and we're foretelling and proclaiming his word. God speaking through dreams and visions and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So he cleared the debt of the New Testament. He paid the price. Where that they, man, could be filled with the Holy Ghost. 
where the Spirit of God can come and enter into them. I'm going to labor on that just a little bit this morning because I want you to see exactly what this message of restoration has done for us because the same message of restoration that they had is what we have. It is, this is that which the prophet Joel spoke of. It's the word coming by the Spirit that will not only save your soul, but will change your body, and it must change your thinking. For the bride, the lamb's, lamb's wife, will not be mentally blind. She will not be under the insanity of this age. She will be, not be naked of truth, but she will be spotless and without fault. Now, I'm doing this for a reason. Because if healing comes by being able to see an image of a perfectly healed person that our faith has produced, and step by step we walk into that image, then I want to say how much more important is it that we as a ministry hold before you the image of a perfect sinless bride a church that is full of faith, full of holiness, full of power, and you step-by-step walk into that. That's why you'll never hear me calling you sorry sinners and not heads and, you know, and you're not, you know, all kinds of things of how bad you are. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to set before you a vision of a perfect sinless bride You say, Brother Tim, I don't measure up yet. Hey, just keep walking. I'm setting before you a revelation. This is what he said you could be, and I'm not going to be nothing less than what he said I could be. Though I may not see it yet, though I still see flaws in myself, though I see, no, there's still imperfections, I'm looking here into the word at a perfect sinless bride and looking in there, I'm not changing the mirror. I'm being changed to fit the mirror. Come on now. Amen. I'm looking into the image of a perfect sinless bride and step by step, I want you to step right into it. Amen. So now, where did you come from? You were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. And not only that, but Ephesians 1 says, you are chosen to be without blame. A spotless church before him. You're not chosen because you were blameless. You were chosen to be blameless. Amen. Come on now. He didn't come and say, I want to find a perfect human because that's what I want for my bride. He couldn't find one. He couldn't find a perfect church. He found them full of harlotry and every kind of other evil and everything. Can you imagine? The Bible calls her a prostitute and the mother, a mother of harlots and a whore herself. Amen. A very evil woman. And here she will even try, try again to crucify the word because she can't crucify the body. But in that very age, in that very time, he said, I'm going to have a church. Listen, no matter how discouraged I get with people, no matter how many problems I see in the message around the world, no matter how much work I still see that needs to be done, no matter how many problems I see arise, this scripture keeps me going. 
Amen. This scripture keeps me going. I will have a bride. I will have a church. She will be without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing. God, I don't know how you're going to do it no more than Sarah knew how God was going to do it and take a 90-year-old woman and change her and make her young again and bring forth the promise of God. I don't know how. But my faith says, my faith is looking not at myself, not at you, not at your flaws, not at your problems, but at a promise. Amen. Amen. Oh, well, Brother Tim, I'm a young person. I'm struggling with pornography. I'm not looking at your, your, what you're struggling with. I'm looking at the healer. I'm looking at the deliverer. I know the power of the word. I know the transforming power. I know what it can do and change a life in a moment. I'll tell you what you ought to be looking for your moment this morning. No matter what your situation is, look for your moment. Receive it. In Jesus' name, receive it. Now, Something else God wants you to know. He wants you to know you're not temporary. There's an eternal quality to God's elect. You know, you, you, you came from the very thoughts of God. In the message, God is rich in mercy, Brother Branham said, if you got eternal life, tonight it's, if we have eternal life, then we always were. Because there's only one form of eternal life we always were. And that reason we were because we were a part of God and God's the only thing that's eternal. Which is why hell can't be eternal. This is why you can't have eternal life in hell and burn eternally. You'd have to have eternal life and only God, in, only in God dwells immortality. So you, again, you know, they, it's, it's somewhere, might be eons and eons and eons and eons of, of times and punishments and flames and burning. I don't know. But one day they come to an end. The soul that sinneth shall die. But for you, there's an eternal quality. Amen. Like Melchizedek, he said, receive tithe from Abraham. And it was lauded to his great-grandson, Levi. Yet it was in the loins of Abraham, paid tithes, for he was yet in the loins of Abraham when he met Melchizedek. I want to speak this over at the other place from morning. Who is this Melchizedek? Notice, way back, God knew his, this boy was coming down. He knew all things. Now, we're part of God. You always were. You don't remember it because you were only an attribute of God. Like you don't remember being in your father. Or even in your mother as far as that concerned. But you don't remember, you know, being in the genes of your father or your great-grandfather or, or whatever. You don't remember that, but you were there. There was some part of you there. And you were in God, for he says, you were only in his thinking. Your very name, if it ever was on the book of life, it was put there before the foundation of the world. He knew what you were. So just as you were in the loins of your father, but your father couldn't really know you and fellowship with you as a gene within himself. You had to be expressed to the bedding ground 
uh, of your mother. And so had we had to be expressed to the bedding ground of the earth. And just as you're an attribute of your parents, that's the way you were in God in the beginning. And although they, your parents longed to know you, they could not fellowship with you as a gene within them, and neither could God. Fellowship with you in the way he wanted fellowship as just a gene within himself. Now, of course, as you know then, if, if the way he reproduces is by the word, spoken word, then his thought is his gene. So it starts with his thought first and comes into manifestation. Are you with me? So now it's very important to understand then you, you, you pre-existed not as a person but as a gene, a thought of God in his mind before the foundation of the world. Therefore, you are eternal with him. And you were chosen in Christ. When Christ was chosen, every seed of his was chosen with him. So you were chosen in Christ before the world began. Now, so that's the way God was in the beginning, he says in Satan's Eden. Every son of God and, and every daughter of God was in God at the beginning. You don't remember it now, but you were there. He knew it and he wanted you to become so he could contact you and speak with you and love you and shake your hand. In other words, he wanted you to become, wanted you to become from thought to word to tangible. God wanted to fellowship with you. God wanted to know you and he wants to know you in the way he had it in his mind before sin ever entered into mankind. So the central theme of the revelation of God is that he would have a counterpart. So when God existed alone and by himself with just his thoughts and the Logos or the word had not been released yet and he dwelt alone and by himself, all his thoughts was centered around you. I'm going to have a bride. I want a wife. I want a family. I want sons and daughters. I want an offspring. And everything he's ever done when he made the universe, when he hung the sun in space, when it sailed out like a clinker out there for oh, how many thousands of years and he pulled it back and around an orbit and set the earth and created an earth, it was all because of you. Everything he's ever done has been on account of you. Come on now. I'm trying to get you to understand, friend. Yes, yes, you know, uh, we, we know God is all of importance and we can't do without him, but God can't do without you. You are, you are the very reason of his existence. He exists to prove himself to you to make himself known to you as he did sitting there alone by himself. I want a wife. I want a counterpart. I want a bride. This is the way she'll be. She'll be perfect. Well, it would have to be perfect if it come out of him. There's no evil in God. 
So what God created evil, no, God didn't create anything evil. God created everything, whether it's evil or good, but God didn't make it evil. So God didn't take an evil part out of himself and make the devil, no. He put him there on the basis of choice. Amen. And he chose there to exalt himself over the word of God and become the evil thing we know. But there's no evil part in God. Somebody help me preach. Amen. So now, before the world began, you were a complete and perfect man in God's thinking. Originally, you were perfect. Originally, you were not a sinner. You were not full of flaws. Come on now. You were not imperfect. Amen. You originally, you were perfect. Now, in God's mind and plan, he foresaw you in eternity. Now, as we said, as we quoted the prophet, your name was written in in the Lamb's book. Your name, you were put in his family album. And when he put you in his family album, he thought of you and he said, now, this one will come in this last evil age. And I'm going to put something in him that will overcome the evil age. And when even sin will make them full of blemishes and faults and wrinkles, I'm going to send a word that will undo everything that Satan has done to them. Because they're going to be without spot or wrinkle or blemish or you name it, any such thing. So you see, you, you, were, you were in God's mind and you were in his plan. He foresaw you in eternity. Now remember, you were a thought in God. Right there, right here, but, but right here, right now, we are those sons here on earth doing what he saw us do in eternity. Stop for a minute. What was Christ? He was the lamb slain when? When? Before when? The foundation of the world. So God in his mind, amen, already had, before sin ever entered, before you became full of blemishes, faults and failures and sin, amen, before then, he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So what was first, the Savior or the sinner? The Savior. And in his thinking, amen, the lamb was slain, but in time, it was about 2,000 years ago. So when Jesus came, he fulfilled what God thought in his mind of him in time, what God saw him doing in eternity. So when he saw Job shouting for joy, amen, he was still an attribute or thought in God's mind, amen, but he saw him overcoming his trial, overcoming his problems. Somebody help me preach. He saw him shouting for joy, turning down the lie of the devil, amen, and Job only did what God saw him in eternity doing, and that's what we're doing here in time. We are now doing what God saw of us 
before the world began. In his thinking, I'll have a bride. She will be without spot or wrinkle or blemish. Now, he knew what Satan would do. He knew the fall of man. He knew how you would be born. He knew the generational curses that would follow your family. He knew the, way, the, the, the sin nature that would attach itself. He knew all of that. And in spite of all of that, he said, she'll be without spot, wrinkle, or blemish, or you name it, any such thing. So in God's thinking, he saw you before the world began right here in time. He saw you turning down the lie of the devil. He saw you shouting for joy. He saw you, come on now, in evening light tabernacle, hearing the word preach, and you were rejoicing over it when thousands of others, yea, millions are turning it down. You were rejoicing. He saw you in his thinking before the world began and your reaction to the word when the word came to you. Hallelujah. And with God's thinking, there was not a spot or speck of imperfection in you. No sin, no wickedness, no defilement, no evil, not one imperfection. You were perfect in God's thinking. And if God thinks it, and then he releases the word, it may take, like the sun, might have been thousands of years before it come into existence, but God released the word. And God has released a word in this day and hour to do exactly what he said he would do to make you without spot, wrinkle, or blemish, or any such thing. Amen. And not only that, but I want to tell you something. From the moment you were born again, you were born perfect. Not perfect meaning mature, but perfect meaning sinless. <laughs> Amen. We're talking about this faith woman, the church, born sinless. You know why I can say that? Because God, being the source of perfection that he is, he cannot father an imperfect child. There can nothing come out of him, be born out of him, less than perfect. Hello. Amen. Because how could he be the perfect being, the fountain of perfection, and then something come out of him that is less than perfect? Now, that's not true with us as humans. Every child from a human is born imperfect. I know your parents thought you were perfect, but you weren't. And by the time you hit teenagers, they found out you wasn't, at least by then, or maybe by your temper tantrums and twos. Human beings have faulty genetics. They have things they pass on through their genes, diabetes, Blindness, heart conditions, crippling diseases and afflictions, 
of all kind can be hereditary, but not God. God does not have imperfect genes. All of his children are born perfect. No wild genes in them. No imperfect one. Every gene of God is a perfection of his own image. Now, I'm not talking about your flesh. Because you're looking at your flesh. I'm not looking at your flesh. I'm talking about your new birth. I'm talking about your soul. I am talking about that inward man that cannot disbelieve the word of God. Amen. You got, you, I'm not talking about your flesh because that came from your first birth. This flesh is sin. We know that. You were born wrong. You, you were not supposed to come this way. We didn't, did not come through the right birth. We came here with our heart twisted and turned wrong and toward evil and against God and with sin nature in control. That's how we came. We came here by, we were to come here by spiritual multiplication and not by sexual birth. And by the way, that's a term Brother Branham uses in marriage and divorce, spiritual multiplication. He would tell us a spoken word in his original seed that, that Eve did not fulfill Genesis 1, 28. Might want to put that up. Where it says, be fruitful and multiply. And Eve did not fulfill the scripture. Yet she had children. Yet she had children and, and uh, yet she did not, they did not come in the way that God had ordained for sons of God to multiply. You see, she did not come by or conceived by the creative word of God. She was not a virgin conceiving and bringing forth a sinless son. But she, through the defiling of the serpent, brought forth children who were all born in sin in a perverted body. And this body is not perfect. But it's a perverted, fallen image of what our true body is. We have a theophany. It's a word body. It came from the thoughts of God. It's perfect. It's a perfect in every aspect. The theophany is God's thoughts of us. It waits eternally in the heavens. Our fleshly body is not only a fall, our fleshly body is only a perverted fallen image of, of that theophany. And it cannot, it cannot be perfected until it's born anew. One day the curse will be taken off the earth and this body will be glorified by the merging with the theophany and every trace of imperfection will be removed. And it's going to be more than being changed back to the age of 20. None of you were perfect at age 20. None of you. I wasn't perfect when I was 20. You wasn't. None of you were. But I want you to know, God took a photo of you when you were at your best and he placed you in his family album called the Lamb's Book of Life. And I want to ask you, when were you at your best? Well, maybe 19 if it wasn't 20. Maybe 18. No, none of that was perfect. You, the only time you were at your best is in the eternals when you were in his mind. So I'm telling you, 
You have never been your best. <laughs> Amen. But you're going to be. But you're going to be. His word says you're going to be, you're going to be what I had in your mind, my mind. Amen. Now, Brother Benham tells you to be born of the water and the spirit, spoken words, original seed. He says to be born of the water and spirit brings us back to the spoken word again, like in John 3. To be born of the water and the spirit, what does it do? And then it brings you right back into the place where you should have been at the beginning. So there's a birth in our soul that bursts us within like we should have been born. Because you were born, you, you should have been born a son of God. And your new birth by the word bursts you as a son. Our daughter of God bursts you to the place you should have been. Now, there are three births. Let's talk about that for a minute. The first birth was sexual, and it was wrong. We came through the wrong way. We were born in sin, shape and iniquity. The serpent taught Eve to multiply as animals do. But when God gave birth to Adam, he did not come through sex. It was by the spoken word. And then he formed a body to put him in. And that body that although was flesh and from the dust, it never aged, it never got sick until sin brought death and dying. So there is our first birth. We were born wrong. This is why every person born of sexual birth into this life must have another birth. And the next birth is, is, of course, the birth of our soul. This is what Jesus said. You must be born again. It's not an option. You must be born again. Your first birth won't work. It'll never get you to heaven. It'll get you to hell, but it won't get you to heaven. Amen. It's, so the new birth is the birth within our soul. It's where deity or the seed gene of life is quickened by the Holy Ghost. You say, well, Brother Tim, we don't need the Holy Ghost today. We got seed gene of life. You'll never come to life without the Holy Ghost. You've got to have the overshadowing of the Holy Ghost there. It's as it was the sperm to come to the egg. And until that happens, you'll never come to life. That's what's the matter with us. Many of them might be seed and they went along for many, many years and plodded along and lived a, a, a raunchy, dirty life and whatever. One day, the Holy Spirit overshadowed them. One day, the Holy Spirit came and quickened them, made that seed alive. Why, well, it was in them all the time. They didn't just become seed. They were always seed. So therefore, they could be reborn. In non-seed, there's nothing to quicken. How do you know whether you're seed or non-seed? Because you know because it's been quickened. Amen. Now, the next birth, there's another birth. That's two births. So the next birth is to be birthed into a new body. Brother Branham explained it like this. He said, this dying body, he said, as you die, he said, it's like a baby, you know, being birthed into another, out of the womb. And you're coming out of the womb of the earth and the birth pains that you go through brings you there into a new birth with your birth into another body. So therefore, there's another birth coming. We almost have it. Those that are alive and remain will experience it here uh, while they're still living. 
But those that are dead in Christ have not yet experienced this. They're in a theophany and not yet glorified. Therefore, they don't eat or they don't sleep because they, they are not yet in a body of earth. But notice as we look at this, under the old covenant, there was but one birth. There was no new birth under the old covenant. So Abraham's physical seed to be born of his lineage, that will work. Not anymore. It might have been God's chosen people and his chosen nation. But to be born of the loins of Abraham, even then could bring forth the wrong seed. Because Ishmael could come out of his loins. And out of, the, out of even a pure line or lineage of Isaac and, and Rebekah, there could come an Esau and a Jacob. Amen. Now, so there were all wrong seed that came and were there in, in Israel's genealogy. I, I want to I wanna get a few thoughts to you for a moment. When, when Christ came, he was the seed of the woman that was prophesied in Genesis. And as the seed of the woman, he was, he was bruised by the seed of the serpent. Stop for a minute. Think about what I just said. Christ, the seed of the woman. God gave her a seed. She didn't have a seed. God gave her a seed. That was Christ. Come on. She came through a, came through a virgin. She did not have a seed. He gave her uh, the, not just the seed itself, but the, the ovum or the egg and the sperm. He, he, crea- he created a life and put it in there. And then, of course, a body was formed from the nutrients she ate out of dust. All right. So now as we look at that for a moment, he was the seed of the woman that was prophesied in Genesis 3.15. He said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed and it shall bruise thy head and it shall bruise his heel. So we learned then the seed of the serpent, the offspring of the serpent was going to bruise the offspring that God would give a woman. Is that right? So the heel of Christ, he said it would bruise his heel. So where he touched the ground, Come on now. Amen. He would have to, with his heel, where he touched the ground, only by becoming a man could he bruise the head of the serpent. Somebody with me now. Amen. So through his bruising, there would be the crushing of the head of the serpent there at Calvary. So, but who would bruise him? The Bible said, the seed of the serpent. So look, look for a moment. What, what was there at, at Calvary? Let's, here, here we got it, three crosses. What is there? Oh, I see a bunch of snakes bruising Christ. No, there's no serpents bruising Christ. There's men bruising Christ. Because the seed of the serpent was in men. And even, not only them, but even in the seed of Abraham. Because from the flood it had mixed into all nations where the sons of God and married the daughters of men and took to them wives as they chose and it comes over the ark and it's now all through it and so now you can have, there's no such thing as a pure line. The purest line there is, which is Abraham, that God chooses, 
can produce a Jacob and an Esau, an Isaac and an Ishmael. And Jesus, he recognized them as such. He said, you generation are you offsprings of vipers, you seed of serpents. John the Baptist, Jesus, Paul, and the apostle John all taught serpent seed. This is not a new doctrine. This is something that's in the Bible. Jesus said to some of the Jews that were Abraham's physical seed, you are of your father, the devil. And if Abraham was your father, you would believe me. But yet other Jews right there in the midst, like Peter, James, and John, who were of the seed of Abraham, believed him and received him. So you had them of the same lineage, both rejecting and refusing, one crucifying, one accepting. Amen. Now, so just because you were Abraham's offspring did not mean you were elect. In fact, to be born of that lineage was not a shoe into heaven. Jesus let Nicodemus know this. He said, your first birth, even though it's a lineage of Abraham, will not qualify you for a place in heaven. Without a new birth, you can never see the kingdom of God. You must be born again, irregardless of whether you can trace your lineage all the way back to Abraham and Abraham back to Adam. It doesn't matter. I think it's wonderful also to know. Stop here just to think. In a world, in a nation of cursed people, cursed nation, that God would so exterminate, drive out of the land, there's a seed in there called Rahab. And for generations back, there wasn't one of them that was seed. And all of a sudden, here comes one. You know, sometimes you say, well, nobody in my family has accepted this truth, brother Tim. Nobody, nobody has accepted it. Let me tell you, Rahab could look back and say, I'm the only one out of generations. But God has revealed to me this truth. Your God will be my God. What was it? Why was it? It was a seed on the inside of her. When other family members couldn't accept it, when other family members couldn't see it, when cousins rejected it, come on, somebody. Amen. Here, Rahab accepted it. Because it wasn't passed down through parental lineage. So, therefore, therefore, Nicodemus must get a new birth. Otherwise, his natural birth of the lineage of Abraham, holy as it was, great as it was, great man in the past as it was, he had to be born again. And that's the wonderful thing about the new covenant. It comes different from the old covenant. It comes with a new birth. 
you see, the, the old covenant could not cancel out the first birth. Under the old covenant, there was not a blood that could take away sin. The sin, uh, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I, I hope you can get liberated by this and, and help you to see something real, real good right, right out of this. This is not to, 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 to stigmatize someone or, or whatever or to or put them in a certain category, uh, whatever. But I, I want to go through this so that you understand this, is, this needs to be taught and needs to be understood. Under the old covenant, there was not a blood that could take away sin. The sin of adultery was such a stain. It was so great, it took 400 years or 10 generations to breed out or nullify one illegitimate birth. Now, before you get to looking around and say, well, I was born clean. Well, can you go back 10 generations, please? Can you go back 400 years? You'd be surprised what was in your genealogy. The truth is known. None of you were born holy. In fact, of the matter, just being born of the natural birth made you illegitimate and hybrid. That's exactly right. That, well, I'll tell you what, you know, if a black man is a white, well, you know, their child is, their child is a hybrid. You're a hybrid too. Now I am going to call you a sorry white man. You're a hybrid too. You see, you see, you can trace your, ge- your genetics back. and You try to go back two to 400 years in your genealogy. There's unwed mothers. There's rapes, yeah. adulteries, incest, all kinds of filthy sin in your family tree. Face it right now. Might as well re- realize it. I mean, you know, you really ain't got a lot to brag about. Well, I was adopted, Brother Tim. Well, maybe thank God you was adopted. Maybe what you come out of wasn't even worthy to raise you and God gave you a, a better opportunity. So quit, 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 quit fussing and, and, and crying about what God in, sovereign, in his sovereignty placed you and his mercy he brought you. Are you with me? Now, those children that are born of an illegitimate birth, they could not come in the congregation of the Lord for 10 generations. I'm going to read this from the New King James. But Deuteronomy 23 and verse 2, one of illegitimate birth shall not enter into the assembly of the Lord even to the 10th generation. Why we say 400 years is because generation being about 40 years, then 400 years. Unto the tenth generation, none of his descendants shall enter this, the assembly of the Lord. What? What? Who? Huh? Not just, uh, not just the illegitimate child, the bastard. And like I said, I, I want to say this. Let's get it clear. You're all bastards. You were all born wrong. Don't, don't, don't try to pass this over. Oh, yeah, that kid, this, this person, not you. Tim Pruitt. 
One illegitimate birth shall not enter the assembly or the congregation of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord. My God. It, that sin was so great. It couldn't be bred out in ten generations with holy matrimonies. Brother Branham spoke about hybrid religion. He made a remark and quoted this. The Bible called a bastard child could not enter the congregation of the Lord for 10 generations, which would be 400 years. The illegitimate child could not come to the congregation of the Lord. That's how high, bad high breeding was, that it was a woman that let another man live with her in order to bring forth a child. That child was hybrid, not by its father, but by some other man. And that, and that was so evil before God. It's taken 10 generations to ever breed that out again before God. I'm glad it don't end here. Listen to the rest of the quote. But that doesn't apply to this age. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You have a new birth now. That doesn't apply to this age. You have a new birth now. Hallelujah. They just had one birth back there. That was the actual sexual breeding. We have this new birth now, which is the spiritual that breeds out all the call. Hallelujah. I can speak in tongues right here. Breeds out all the call. Through what breeding? To be born of him, to have him as my father, it breeds out all the call of my humanity. And we're new creatures in Christ Jesus, born again of the Spirit of God, new creatures. The word creatures, some of you good scholars want to understand that. If you don't, you might look it up. The creature comes from the Greek word of a new creation. What is he saying? He is saying there's nothing hidden. Somebody with me now. Nothing that's hidden in your new family tree. That has one hint of imperfection in it. You can trace back. You can trace it back through Luther, Wesley, all the way back to Christ. Come on. I want to say there's not a Judas. There's not a traitor. There's not a Cain. There's not a murderer. There's not an Esau. There's not a birthright despiser that's in your family tree. Hallelujah. Amen. Not one flaw. Now, what if you could study your genealogy and could trace it back to a line to the king of England? Well, you know, hmm. yeah, I'm kin to the kings. I'm in the king line. You know, I did a study of my family tree. My family tree descends from both the Adams and the Harrison clans from which came America's founding fathers, four presidents and signers of the Declaration of Independence. Pretty good, huh? 
But I want you to notice something. You're more than that. You're more royalty than any physical claim to some fame, to some earthly king or president. You can trace your spiritual genetics back to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And there's no greater king than that. And besides that, he ain't a distant king. He's your father. Hallelujah. You're born of God. When you realize who you are, it puts something in your carriage. Put something in your character. You walk different. You talk different. My father's a king. I am royalty. I can't act like the world. I don't dress like they do. I don't spurn what the king says. Amen. We are in the lineage of the king. My father is the king. Hallelujah. I, I, I have an inheritance. Amen. I, I have all that he has is mine. Amen. Because why? My father's the king. Now, God actually did a title search on you. Searching for anything in their past that could put a claim on you. He did a title search. And, I, and, and I'm not even talking about your spiritual line. I'm talking about your physical line. But he also did that with the spiritual line. Stop just for a minute. I like the like the Pentecostal experience today of the coming of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Brother Brandon says, and rising of the sun. And this last day was promised is the abstract to the title deed. And now you can get a title, you can get a title to a place, but that don't mean it's yours. Somebody way back yonder could come in and put a claim on it, a lien in the past. There's a debt against it, so you don't have a clear title. So they can put a claim on it. But when you get an abstract... That shows that everything that's ever been against you is struck off uh, back from the foundation. And when a man has said he believes the word, and then when the Holy Spirit comes, it's the abstract to the title, and that gives you permission when you have that abstract that every bit of that belongs to you and everything's on it belongs to you, amen. And that gives us the abstract when the Holy Ghost comes upon the title deed that God saw back yonder before the foundation of the world and put your name on the book of life and but was born to a man and a woman and subject to sin and guilty of sin. But when I believed it, I received the deed. But when the Holy Ghost come, it was the abstract that everything against me, hallelujah, ever leave, ever dead. Listen, no matter whether, whether my mother done it, my father done it, my grandmother done it, amen. Oh, he said, like a little epileptic child I prayed for a few minutes ago that came down through the grandparent. The epilepsy fell down upon the child. I said, but when the abstract has come, it struck it off, omitted everything, and I am an abstract holder. Hallelujah. That's what the baptism of the Holy Ghost does for you. It clears the need of every generational curse. Don't matter what your mama did. Don't matter what your daddy did. No matter what was in your family in the past. It's all washed away and you've got a whole new family tree. 
Not a spot or a wrinkle. Not a spot or a wrinkle or any such thing. All my sins are struck off. All your sins are struck out by the blood of Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost has come as an abstract to the title deed that God gave me by grace, by foreknowledge. What are you scared about? No wonder he said, fear not. I am he that was dead and alive again, and I am alive forevermore and have the keys to death and of hell. Don't worry about nothing. Even death ain't going to hurt you. Hallelujah. You know, now what that makes us is of a new creation. And it's a flawless creation. In the Laodicean church age, Brother Bradham refers to this, and it's based on what he says in verse 14, the revelation of deity to our age. So this is specifically to our day and time. And unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, these things said the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. So now, here again, the revelation of deity to the last age, just keep Revelation 3.14 up. And, and you, you will see the beginning of the creation of God. This is a revelation of deity to this last age. So now he says he's standing in the midst of the church, and he stands there revealing who he is in this last age, and he calls himself the author of the creation of God. This is another creation. Now, this is not, you are no longer, when you're born again, you're no longer just born of the old creation, of Adam and his failures and his sin and the fallen nature, but you're now of a new creation, another creation. This has to do with the church. This is a special designation of himself. He is the creator of that church. The heavenly bridegroom created his own bride. <laughs> no wonder she's without spot or wrinkle. He created his own bride, amen. As the Spirit of God, he came down, created in the virgin, Mary, the, the cells from which his body was born. I want to repeat that. He created the very cells in the womb of Mary for that body. It was not enough for the Holy Spirit to simply give life to human ovum supplied by Mary. That would have been sinful mankind producing a body. That would not have produced the last Adam. Of him it was said, lo, a body hast thou, Father, prepared for me. God, not Mary, provided that body. Mary was the human incubator, and she carried that holy child and brought him to birth. It was a God-man. He was the Son of God. He was of the new creation. God and man met and joined. Amen. Brother Brandon would say that. He said, God and man met together. Heaven and earth embraced each other. Amen. He was the first of this new race. He is the head of this new race. Colossians 1.18, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. There you can see that through, that through man, though man was of the old order or creation, now in union with Christ, he has become the new creation of God. Ephesians 2, 10, for we are his workmanship created in union with Christ. Jesus and the good works 
Ephesians 4, 24, and that you put on the new man which after God has created in righteousness and true holiness. Look, the new man created how? In righteousness and true holiness. Ephesians 4, 24. And he says, this new creation is not the old creation made over. Or it could be called a new creation. But this is exactly what it says. It's a new creation. It is not another. It is another creation distinct from the old. No longer is he dealing with the ways of the flesh. That's why all our kids have got to be born again too. Because no matter how righteous your parents was, you've got to be born again too. He dealt with Israel through the through the realms of the flesh. He chose Abraham out of Abraham's issue, a godly line of Isaac. But now, out of every kindred, tribe, and nation, he has purposed a new creation. He's the first of that creation. He was God created in the form of man. Now by his spirit, he is creating many sons to himself. This is the new creation of God. This was his purpose. This purpose took form through election and that's why he could look right down to the last age when it would all be over and see himself in the midst of the church as the author of this new creation of God. His sovereign power brought it to pass. And by his own decree, he elected the members of this new creation. He predestinated them to the adoption of children according to the good pleasure of his will. By his omniscience and omnipotence, he brought it to pass. How else would he, he, could he know that he would be standing in the midst of his church receiving glory from his brother if he didn't make this sure? All things he knew and all things he worked out according to, to uh, that he knew that his purpose and good pleasure would be brought to pass. In Ephesians 2.11, in whom also we have received an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you belong to him? Ephesians 2.11, in whom we have received an inheritance. Well, you got an earthly inheritance. Well, Brother Tim, I didn't get much. You really didn't. Look at yourself. You really didn't get much. But that's not our real inheritance. That's only temporary. That's only where we're at here in time. But right now, here in time, we're taking those hands that used to work for the devil and surrender them to God and give them to him. We're giving these eyes that used to look through the devil's mind, and now given over to the mind of Christ. We're making the body <laughs> that Satan corrupted. Amen. That Satan defiled. We're taking the body that Satan, where we were born in sin without a chance, and taking that by a new creation on the inside, making that body glorify God. And the tongue that used to curse him now glorify him. Brother, you're talking about a victory over the devil. 
He thought he could pervert this body and God took it and used it put and take that body, fill it with the Holy Ghost and then make that old body obey the word of God. Think about that. A new species. A new species. Not like those who poured out of the upper room. The devil didn't know what to do with them. He had never seen anybody like this. Come on, somebody. Amen. What happened in the upper room was a new species. It was of a new creation. The world had never seen any like this of a new race. And 120 of them come out of the upper room. Every one of them speaking a heavenly language. And the devil didn't know what to do with them. Come on, somebody. What the devil saw when he saw them coming out of the upper room, he saw men and women who were justified, past forgiven, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost and come out of there proclaiming the word of God and bodies, hallelujah, that was once subject to sin, now subject to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Birth by the word. Being born again, not a corruptible seed, but a seed only that the word can produce. I'm going to skip a bunch of things. I kind of wanted to go in this direction, but I'm running out of time. Because I want you to, I want you to understand, we are a people without spot or without wrinkle or without blemish. This is what the Holy Spirit is producing in this day. A bride, a people. Now, so you see, that which came out of the upper room was an invincible army that the devil cannot break through or destroy. It's a church that he said the gates of hell will not prevail against. That's why I disagree with a lot of the brethren that come along and say, well, Brother Tim, you know, the Laodicea and age goes out in, in dismal failure. It does not. It goes out in the most ultimate victory there ever was. It goes out with the bride ascending, with the people ascending to the very throne of God. It goes out with people who are overcomers, with white raiment. They don't go, listen, he said, on this rock of who I am, the revelation of who I am, when you get a personal revelation of who I am to you, that's the new birth. When you get a new birth, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So we cannot come down to the end time and the devil overcome this church. He said it wouldn't happen. Come on. So no matter what kind of giant's in front of me, no matter what kind of devil's in my way, no matter what kind of obstacle, amen, he said it will not prevail against me. Is that right? Amen, and it sounds like to me we're not just there defending ourselves. We're going and taking the gates of hell. We're going into the enemy's territory and we're tearing down the walls that are holding back God's promises and taking them. This bride will not leave here defeated. She will be without spot or wrinkle or blemish. Now, so that's what we're speaking about. A glorious church.
a glorious church. I'm talking about you. You're not the low down and the downtrodden and the no-gooders. You're a glorious church. That's what I'm holding before you. Not your, not your natural birth. Not your flesh. I'm talking about you, a glorious church. Now, here's the thing about God. God is not getting new thoughts. That's hard for us to get. Because we're temporal in these flesh. So I get a new thought. I never thought of that before. God, don't do that. Every thought of God is eternal. And guess what? He cannot change his original thought. Now, I'm going to go to impersonation of Christianity, and Brother Branham makes an astounding statement about the Word, and, and he talks about like a gift of knowledge in the Bible, this prophecy which goes down, finds out the things that already come, brings them back down, but they must compare it with the Bible with the book. If they're out of the book, then they're not received because the judge judges by the book. So any prophecy that someone gets from the heavenly places, if an angel comes from heaven saying anything other than what I preach, let him be a curse, Paul said. So it must be the Word. Then the Word that God has spoken before the foundation world, watch now, it isn't that God speaks and says something to the prophet at that time. It's that the prophet catches what God has already said. For the word was before the foundation world. God spoke the word and it's laying way out, stretched out in time. And the prophet goes up and sees the time coming. So it's only a gift of knowledge that he brings down and puts on the paper. So he says, God's word is already settled in heaven. Now, so it isn't that God is currently speaking. And listen, in God's provided place of worship, he said, when God speaks a word, he can never take it back. He has to always remain the same. So let's get some principles about God. When God speaks, he can never take his word back. He can never say something and say, well, well, Oh, man, I didn't realize the outcome of that. I, you know, I didn't really mean to say that. He's infinite. He knows the best to begin with. Now, that's different from us because we say things that we think is best. And then after a while, we take it back. But God can't do that. He can't do that and remain God, Right? He's perfect in every word. He never utters a word, I'm quoting the prophet now, unless it's eternal. So all of his eternals was with him at the beginning, his thoughts, his attributes, and they're only expressing themselves in the world today. So now, he cannot send out a word and say, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to have a spotless bride Without a spot or wrinkle, it should be a glorious church. This, this is my plan. This is what I want. This is what I'm going to have. This is the word I'm releasing. He cannot send out a word and then say, I'm going to have that. And then somebody come up with a false doctrine and get them off in, in the confusion. And then God said, well, I must have made a mistake. Give me that word back. Let me eat my words. 
He can't do it. If God says, I'm going to have a bride without spot or wrinkle or blemish. It doesn't matter how old Sarah is, how decrepit she is, how deformed she is, how unable she is, how faithless she is, how bad off she is, how almost with, you know, right on the edge of death and her foot on a banana peel. It doesn't matter how far gone it is. I'm trying to get to you. It doesn't matter how bad it looks. When God releases a word, his word, come on now, his spirit goes after his word to perform that word, to make that happen, and somebody's going to believe that. Hallelujah. Because God can't change his mind. And if God in his mind thought of you as perfect, he can't change his mind about you. So guess what? He's going to send a word after word and message after message and sermon after sermon until you are changed to the image of what he thought of you before the world began. He's not going to leave you where you're at. And you might as well get ready to change. Hallelujah, because you're going to be changing from glory to glory. He ain't done yet with you. Hallelujah. God cannot say, all I have a son in the Laodicean age. Now, this age is going to be the most evil age. Yeah, I'm going to allow Satan to do everything. Bring a Sodom age. and Bring a Noah's age. Bring every kind of evil age that's ever been all the way time, from time on, and just let all the evil, all the demons, all the spirits of every age heap up into this generation. And I'm going to have a son in the Laodicean age, and it'll be the most evil age. Mm. Oh, I know. I can't help it. You know, sometimes you just wish that an earthly father could have looked at you and been able to say, my son, I'm so proud of him. My, the man he's become, gee, I'm so proud. Earthly, you know, we long for that as humans to have our father's approval. But I want you to know before the foundational world, he looked at you. Oh my. This L, he's going to be a perfect man. This Lemuel, oh, I ain't looking at his struggles. That ain't even in my book. Hallelujah, that's not even written in my book. His troubles, his failures. The only thing I see of him, he staggers not at the promise of God, but he's strong. I see a strong son. I see an overcoming son. I see a child of God. I see a son of proud. This is my son. Have you seen my son, Lemuel? Satan, have you seen my son, Lemuel? There's not a man like him in all the earth. 
Have you seen my daughter? Have you seen my child? I'm proud of them. Mm -hmm. They're my bone. Let me get them. Oh, yeah. What you're over there, he's not looking at here. He says, should be without spot. Without a wrinkle. No blemish. Hoot me, Lord. I look like a mess. But God says, no. That's not how I see you. I see you different than what you see yourself. And I want you to begin to think of yourself the way I think about you. So you can pray the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. So you can operate as a son because I don't hear you as a human. Woohoo! I only hear you in my relationship with you of father and son. Remember women, you're son of God too. Just like we're bride of Christ as men. But now, so it's a designation. So he cannot say, I'll have a son in the Laodicean age. It'll be the most evil age. And Oh, he's going to be a perfect man, elect and pressure. And he'll hear my message. And he'll believe my word. And then something happens. And you make a mistake. And you make a miserable failure. Huh. Wait a minute. Brother Joe. God cannot get a new thought. Oh, but I made a mistake. He can't get a new thought. Oh, but I stumbled. He cannot say no. No, 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 no. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know. I did not know. I didn't realize he would, he would be such a slop. Oh, uh, you know, he failed. I, I'll just X him off my list. I don't love him no more. Now, earthly fathers can do that. They can abandon their kids, but God can't do that. Hallelujah. He has to stay with his original thought. He cannot say, I'll have a rapture, and then because of false doctrines and misinterpretation, not be able to bring a bride out. He cannot say, Sarah's going to bring forth a child, and then because of her unbelief, decide not to do it. He has to change her heart. To faith. You see, I'm trying to get to you. God is constant in the way He thinks about you. He is not wishy washy. He is not wondering if you're going to make it or not. He's already seen you in perfection. <laughs> Amen. He's already seen you in complete maturity. Those He foreknew, what did He do? He justified. You know what that means? He declared you righteous. Amen. And that those he justified, he hath already glorified. And furthermore, anyone making a case against his bride, he resents it. Touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. God's not an angry God waiting for you to make a mistake so he can send you to hell. Get that out of your mind. Amen. Instead of remembering your sins and iniquities, he chooses to forget. Hell was not made for you. Talked to a guy that done my taxes one year, and we were talking, 
He wanted to get, you know, he got religious. Realizing I was a preacher. So he said, I just can't believe a loving heavenly father would send his children to hell. I said, I can't either. Daniel will be one of his children in hell. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. Hell, hell never was made for one of his children. God does everything there is to keep him from going there. He went to hell himself so you wouldn't have to go to it. He conquered hell's doors, amen, so they cannot hold you. Come on. Amen. God has done everything that he can. So do you make it? You see, God doesn't reject man. It's man that rejects God. You know what God's thoughts of you? A rapture. You know what God's thoughts of you? is a wedding supper. I was singing a song the other day and I changed the words. I'm sorry, it might hurt some of your feelings. But I sing, don't wait no longer, please Jesus. I know there's still a lot of loved ones out in sin. But don't wait no longer, please Jesus. A few more days and it's all got to end. I don't know, I'm getting homesick. And I, I, know, I know one day the door's got to close. And if you're on the wrong side of it, sorry, tribulation's for you. Amen, I'm doing everyone to everyone I can. Brother Ron saw, saw a vision of me and him there at, at the gates with the light shining through it there and me and him on either side trying to get people to come in. Come in quickly as you can. Get in with all your heart. Quit dragging behind. Come on. It's going home time. The age is getting more evil and I'm getting more homesick. I got more on the other side than I got here. And God, he's thinking of a rapture, of a wedding, of a honeymoon, of a new heavens and new earth. And he can't wait. Oh, oh my, if we could just find that last one. Amen, the last one whose name's in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, we can just find that one. Then the book can be closed. And the intercessory work will be done. He that's filthy will be filthy still. He that's holy will be holy still. God's thoughts, I want a people. I want a rapture. I'm longing for the day. The wedding day's coming. He ain't let us know what it is, but he knows. It's going to come. It's going to be a meeting in the air. I can't go in this body. I've got to be changed. I've got to be birthed into another one. Those that are there in that other dimension have to come here. They can't meet him in theophanies. Come on. They've got to be robed and they're glorified like us. So I've got this body that was born in sin that's got to be glorified. They got a theophany and they got to, they got to come and glorify the body that was in sin. 
God starts. I'm going to have a wedding. She'll be a glorious church. I started out here with Paul and I lit the candle, the lampstand. And that light there lit the next and lit the next and lit the next. And every time they did, somebody entered on the stage getting ready for the wedding. And now the last candle has been lit. And the last messenger has taken the stage. Guess what happens next? Come on. The prophet brought the Son of Man, Christ the groom, out on the stage. He's here in the form of the Holy Ghost. Somebody help me preach now. So the next thing is, is here comes the bride. (laughs) Here she is, a glorious church. Here you are. Here you are. Here you are. There you are, wherever you are around the world. Come on. It's you. It's not somebody else. It's not another age. It's you. I've been waiting for you. Come on. Get in the procession. Get in step. Get here. It's time. Your time on the stage. Will you take this Christ to be your husband? Will you let this word be Lord of your life? Will you let it wash all impurities out of you? So you'll be a spotless bride without a spot or wrinkle. God's thoughts of you is you're perfect. God's vision of you. Take one step at a time. There's people in this church, you're stuck at one step. Justification. Sins are forgiven. You've asked God for pardon of sin. There's still habits of the world that's still hanging on your life. Things that are there. And you won't take no other step. You come to church. And you'll hear message after message and won't let it wash you. You've got to take another step. It's the vision. It's the vision that we're holding before you. And you take another step. God. I I, I can't carry that into that new body. Sanctify me. It's like a mother going to give birth, you know. She starts eating certain things and craving certain things. You've got to have a change of diet. You can't keep eating on the world and things of the world and and, and form Christ. It's just deformity. Come on. You've got to lay aside the world and the things of it. That's what Brother Branham's teaching us and things that are to be. He says, you know, your craving is a craving. Got to give it up. Got to surrender that. It's needed for that other world. You got to change your diet. Look, the Bible calls it transformation. It's a metamorphosis. The Bible said that, that we're changed from glory to glory. That it comes from the word metamorpho, which is change. Change. It's like, and I don't want to compare you to a frog. 
but a frog's born or hatched out as a little from a little jelly into a little tadpole. And he lives there in a dirty mud puddle all his life for a long time. And he has a tail. And he swims around like a little fish. And he's got little gills there, and he gets his oxygen from the water. And after a while, things totally to change. It goes to a metamorpho. He starts changing. He starts growing legs. He don't need legs there. He needs legs for where he's going. Amen. So, you know, things begin to happen, and, and after a while, you know, he starts not just getting air from here, but something starts changing in him. And he goes up and he goes, and he gets, he gets some, some air from another world that he's never been into. Are you with me? This is what's happening to you. This is why we come and we come into heavenly places and we get up and we start breathing from a heavenly atmosphere. Oh, we feel so good. And things start happening to us, and we're getting ready to leave here. We won't be in the dirty pond forever. Amen. We're like the little caterpillar, you know. There he is, and and he's born a little worm. Come on. That might be what you were, just a little worm. But there, you know, you're just eating your way. And the more you eat, the more you grow. And the more you grow, amen, things begin to happen. And first thing you know, you know, you... You go to spinning your little web around and around, and next thing you know, you're tied up and tangled up in Jesus. Hallelujah. And there, there, you're, you're there, and, and things begin to happen. And what happens? There, there, as you're tied up and tangled up in Jesus and waiting on him, what happens? You begin to be transformed, shielded from the world and the things of the world, and you come out not a worm but a beautiful butterfly. I'm trying to tell you that nature itself tells you you're destined for another world. And God's vision of you is to take one step at a time. Justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's going to be a wedding supper. God won't have any extra plates. Hello? Hello? On that day, he won't go around, give me that plate, that's empty, that's empty, y'all scoot in. You know, there's some I thought would come and didn't make it. Neither will he come along and say, ha, I didn't know that one would make it. Hey, angel, see if you can scrounge up another robe out there. Is there another one? Got one here, I didn't expect would come. No, God's not gonna have that. Amen, there's not one coming he didn't plan for. Come on. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. But he knows exactly. He's got the table set. The angels are at attention. The gates of pearls are built. The heavenly home is ready. Amen. It's only waiting for you to get your position on the stage. And to realize that you've been called and ordained in this age. Step into the vision. Not of how you feel but what God said about you. The soul isn't led by feelings, it's led by faith. Sometimes you don't feel like a Christian. Brother Branham said, I don't, I'm not saved because I feel like it. 
I'm not saved by feelings. I'm saved because I believed it and met the conditions in the Bible that required it. The devil can beat you around the stump. Tomorrow morning you may get up with a headache and feel like I'm here a million miles away, but God grace, hold tight. Yes, sir, it's not what you feel. It's what you believe. Jesus never said you feel it. He said you believe it. There's a difference, quite a difference, not by feelings, but by faith. I'm not saved because I get happy and I shout. That isn't it. I'm not saved because the gift of God works through me. I'm saved because I met the conditions that Jesus required from me. I'm saved according to the Bible. I'm not saved because I feel like I'm saved. Satan can whip you around a stump on your feelings, but he can't get you. Can't when it's thus saith the Lord. He can't go that. He can't wade across that. That'll defeat him. So step into the image of what God has of you. Step into the new mind. Start using your new thinking. Cast down negative thoughts. I'll never be good enough. I'll never make it. It's for somebody else and not for me. Instead of that, leave that behind. Amen. Step into the word and dress yourself in it. Amen. Have you ever thought about it? Instead of, instead of just listening to a tape of Brother Branham or sermon, why don't you start dressing yourself in it? Wrap yourself in a statue of a perfect man. You know, step into perfect faith. Amen. Walk into the vision. We have been seen in the vision in the preview of the bride. Amen. We saw, we saw it again. If we get out of step, that doesn't make us non-bride. We just hear the word, get back in line. I've been seen in the vision. Even Brother Brandon said that day when the quickening power came, I saw all of you over there. I've already been seen over there. Listen, when Bill Dallas breathed in his last breath, some 90 years old under an oxygen tent, Brother Bradham came to him, said, I, I like to run the wheels off my car getting there, busted a tire and whatever. He said, I stood there looking at him. Doctors had given him up to die, laying there gasping his last breath under an oxygen tent. This is back in the 60s. He looked in there at him and said, Bill Dow, irregardless of what the doctors said, you're going to get well. I see you in Louisville in front of the Blue Boar restaurant shaking my hand. You see, that was God's thoughts of Bill Dow. Amen. The doctor's thoughts of Bill Dow was he's a dying man. He'll never make it through the night. He's too old anyway. Why waste our medicine on an old man? He's already past 90. He's lived his time up. Ain't no much use, you know. He doesn't have much time left anyway. But God's thoughts was, you're going to get well. That was the vision. Amen. And what did Bill Dow do? He there, there he heard the word, but from that time on, from that time on, he began to walk toward that vision. And one day, some months later, he was there in Louisville coming down the, the sidewalk, going into a restaurant called the Blue Boy Restaurant. And here comes Brother Branham and meets him, and they shake hands. Why? He was saw in the vision. I'm going to tell you, you have been seen in the vision. Brother Branham was told, pick up your pen and write. And, and write these words to the bride. The, those in the bride will be in his very image. Woo! I may not be in his image now, but it's been written of me. Amen. She will be a super church as she nears him. Amen. I have been spoken. 
This word is creating a bride. You're his workmanship. Let him work on you. Walk step at a time from glory to glory. Don't identify yourself with a Judas or Cain. That's not our family tree. Identify ourselves with overcomers like David. That was Christ and David. So that was me, and I'm a part of Christ. Amen. I, so I, I was born to defeat Goliath in my life. Oh, my. And so, therefore, I don't look at giants as something that I run from. How dare you to challenge the servants of the living God? Amen. The giant became a target too big to miss. Amen. You have heard the message. Step into the sermon. Step into what you've heard. Amen. Step into the, the, the promise of God. Try it on. Like a statue of perfect man. Put it on. Amen. It's going to fit someone. Somebody's going to have perfect faith. Somebody the rapture spoke of. Come on. Some of them said things that are to be, prophesying of what you would be. Come on, somebody. Amen. Somebody has received the power of transformation and are being changed. Step into it. God saw me there. To this end I was born. Jesus knew who he was. So no grave could hold his body down. The word had been spoken. I will not leave his soul in hell. Neither will I allow my Holy One to see corruption. So even so, we walk in total deliverance as manifested sons with a super sense, as a super race. We are his victory. A bride without spot, without a wrinkle, without a blemish. Can you look into the mirror? Like the little boy Brother Branham talked about, who never saw himself as being in the backwoods. Maybe all of the mirror they had was a little bitty piece that that papa shaved in. He goes to this house in the city where his aunt lived. There's a full-length mirror there down the hall. And he walks in, and his mom was, and Annie was watching what the, he was going to do. And he looked there, and he stopped because he sees another little boy down at the end of the hall. And he looks up and he scratches his head looking at him. The little boy scratches his head. He waves and the little boy waves. He makes a face and the little boy makes a face. He looks around back at his mama and says, well, mama, that's me. Come on now. Now it's a little different with us. We're looking here. And where it did the signs that follow them to believe, we're doing the signs that follow them to believe. And where it scratched his head, we're scratching our head. Come on. We're doing what the Word said. And as we do what the Word said, we are being changed. Amen. And you got to look in the Word and say, Mama, that's me. I am the overcomer he spoke about. I am that perfect sinless bride. I am a child of God. I am. Not I will be, I am. And whatever I like, I'm changing to be in his image. Let's stand our feet. Hallelujah. From glory to glory, God has seen your destiny. He's seen you adopted and placed in position.
He marked you out to be a copy of himself. Look in the image. Look in the era, the mirror. And say, God, somebody's going to fulfill this word. Might as well be me. Let's see what it says. What do you think about me? Well, oh, I know the thoughts that I think of you. They are of peace and not of evil to give you a hope and a future. Glory! Hallelujah! Well, wait a minute. You know, I've been sick here. He was wounded for Tim's Pruitt's transgressions. He was bruised for Tim's iniquities. The whippings Tim should have got, he took them for me. And with his stripes, glory to God, I'm healed. And yet, though I was like a sheep that went astray, he has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He marked me out to be a copy of himself. I want to tell you, in closing, Satan has no right, no claim on your life. He has no right to you. Oh, well, my body, my body belongs to the devil, not mine. I'm sorry. It's been redeemed by the blood. There's a redeemed person, and there is a claim, a deposit that's been made on it. And though, day, though time and the, and, the, and the enemy can come right now and, and, and destroy it and skin worms and whatever, it don't belong to him. He is a squatter on God's property. Therefore, when I lay my hands on the sick, I can say, take your hand off of God's property. Hallelujah, because there's a claim of eternal life on that man or that woman. You see, God gave you as a love gift to Christ. And he, Christ will never give away his love gifts. But he gave it to him for his sacrifice and presented you to him as a gift. God loves this gift and he will not stand to see them destroyed. So therefore, God's not going to let you be destroyed, whatever happens. He's not going to allow you to be alienated forever. The same way that God redeems the earth, that's the same way he redeems man. I want you to think of it for a moment. Let's just go back in the beginning. In the beginning... Let's say the earth came forth from the sun. Maybe it came as a clinker and from it and spun off. As far as we know of what they tell us of the sun, is just gases and whatever, but however it came. Let's just picture it this way. And as it just sprung off from, from that creation and, and, and it drifts way out and becomes a big ball of ice, just tumbling, tumbling, tumbling out in space. The Bible said it was without form. Darkness covered the face of the deep. It was like a wandering star, just about like your life. It wandered far away from the S-O-N, become cold, indifferent, 
wobbling, a wandering star, drifting out into an endless space. Satan had his heyday. Some of you become drunks and drug addicts and sinners of all kinds and adulterers and every kind of problems, situations. He had his heyday with you. You become cold and hard and away from God, way out there. But God was not going to allow his creation to stray too far. He will never let you go too far that his arm can't reach. So he reaches out there because he has a purpose for the earth. And he has a purpose for you and a plan for you. And God will not allow his creation to stray out of his reach, out forever. No matter how far it strayed, the purpose must be fulfilled. No matter how long far the woman at the well has strayed away from God's purpose, Satan could not defile her to the point that she couldn't fulfill that purpose. But one day the son came and reached out and brought her in position with himself. And though she was corrupted to the point that Satan would think she could never be used for God's purpose, God had a purpose for her life. He was not going to be defeated. And though she was void, without form, and darkness covered the depths of her soul, there was a seed of God all under that corruption. All it had to do was be put in position with the sun. And there, there he took and brought it in position. And then the Spirit of God began to brood over it. And out of that earth, he began to make love to the earth. And it began to brood, began to coo like a dove and hover over the earth. And out of it, become, out of that dirt, sprung up life and fishes, fowl, trees, Easter lilies, flowers, all kinds, until it comes to the very height of his creation, where God would create a vessel he would come live in himself. Now, if God did that with the earth, then God will do that with you. Now, for how, how far you strayed, he brings you in relation to the sun. And he puts you in orbit around him. So you get the right amount of sunlight. Get all the coldness away. And the seeds begin to germinate. And out of there comes love and peace and gentleness and meekness and kindness. And all the fruits of the Spirit begins to manifest out of your life until your life becomes a garden of Eden. A people without spot. A wrinkle or blemish or any such thing. That's him. Bow your heads with me. Maybe you can sing that, play that song. I'm reaching out to you, dear Lord. I'm reaching out to you. Maybe where you're at today, his love is just calling you. Maybe you're at a place where there's gifts in your life that's never been manifested. He wants to bring out of you wisdom. 
He wants to bring you into manifestations of words of knowledge. Or tongues or interpretation or prophecy or gifts of healing or faith. Maybe you're at that level. Maybe you're out there and you just need today a fresh washing. No sins forgiven. So, you know, Brother Tim, I, I failed again and I'm back down and dirtied my life up. I just need a real cleansing. Maybe you're at a place where some habit in your life that you've never surrendered, you never, never give up. You need to say, God, today, I want you to do something for my life. There's something I need a cleansing, Lord. I need a purging. Maybe there are those of you that so I really need a, a real filling of the Holy Ghost. It's just lacking in my life. That's his vision of you. He, he don't want to leave you empty. He wants to fill you with his spirit. Won't you let him do that today? Just really fill you with his spirit. Maybe there's those who have been filled with the spirit and you just really need a new dose. Just a rebaptism of the Holy Ghost. A fresh outpouring of the Spirit upon your life. Just need Him to brew over you and coo over you and bring something out of your life that's never never just really come into, into fruition before. And you're here today and say, Lord, I want you. I want you, Lord. Don't stay where you're at. Come on, it's another step. You're to be without spot or wrinkle or blemish. Say, well, I'm lacking, Brother Tim. Then move, move, move. Don't don't be satisfied with where you're at. Move a little closer to him right now. Just ask him to do it. Wherever wherever the word touched your heart today, why don't you just respond back to him and lift a hand to God and say, Lord, I, I, I want to move toward that vision. There's something I know, Lord, that I, I, I want it, Lord. I want it with my life, with my heart, with all that's in me. I, I really want it. Coo over me, Lord. Bring, bring forth out of my life more, more of you, Lord. I want more of you. I've got to have more of you. You've got to have the sweetness and the Holy Spirit. Just come down and bathe down over me until that I just change from glory to glory. I'm ready to go up to another glory. I want to metamorpho today. I, I want to be transformed. I want my mind to be renewed. And I want to quit thinking all these negative thoughts. And yeah, I, I can never do it. I can never be that. I, I want to see myself. Well, you saw me, Lord. You saw me. I, I want to be that, Lord. I, I'm, I'm moving toward you with all my heart today. Maybe you're sick in your body and you just say, Lord, a healed person, I want to move toward that right now. Right now, I'm moving toward that with all my heart. I'm moving toward it. I'm accepting your healing. Just let that healing virtue flow from the throne of grace right down to my body. Breathe on me. Maybe, maybe you're like that little tadpole. You just need a, you just need a sip of that atmosphere from heaven. And you know what? What you're getting around you won't sustain you no more. And you just 
really need to move up. I see the Holy Spirit's beginning to move on people right now. Just lock in just a moment. You know it. You know you need, you need to move up a little closer. Come on. Move toward him right now. He didn't come to leave you where he found you. He wants to change you. He wants to change you from glory to glory. I don't care where you are at. You may be the deacon in the church. You may be the song leader. You may be whatever, but whatever you are, there's something more. Something more for you. Reach toward him today. Reach toward him. You may be the top preacher in the message. There is such a thing. But you need more of Jesus today. You reach out to him. The Lord... I've been told what you're going to make of me. I can't do this myself. I can't save myself. I can't rapture myself no more than grab myself by the bootstraps and jumping over the moon. But oh God, you said, Lord, you said you'd have a bride without spot, without a wrinkle. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Do that work, Lord, in lives and hearts. Do it, Father. Strengthen the feeble hands that hang down. Wash that negative mind. Take that thought away that I never can be anything. I'm worthless. I'm nobody. Take it out. Make him realize of our spiritual genetics. Lord, I pray that you'll do it, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just keep locked in for a minute. I'm reaching out to you, dear. I'm reaching out.